Hey, ringers, you are listening to an older episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you're on a total binge and this is your 50th, thank you. You are already a ringer in our hearts. You'll hear more about ringers in future episodes. And you'll hear in season six that we launched a Patreon community for amazing ringers just like you. But because this is an older episode, you're not yet privy to that information. And we didn't want you to miss out, so please accept our invitation to join us at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-A-R-O-I. Patreon is a membership platform that allows amazing listeners like you to support fun-loving creatives like us in a really big way. Yeah, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month, and we've got some amazing benefits for you, like getting your questions answered, one-on-ones with Danielle and I, and a ton more. All are welcome, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Okay, now on to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker. Get five pairs of glasses to try on in your own home for five days for free, visit WarbyParkerTrial.com slash ring. This is the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DP Knack Weddings and fellow bride-to-be. And I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography, husband, father, and I make the best scrambled eggs in the entire world. The Put a Ring on It podcast is for brides, grooms, and anyone involved in planning a wedding who wants the confidence to pull off an amazing wedding celebration with their most favorite people on the planet. Every other week, we share practical planning advice, insider tips, and behind-the-scenes stories from our own adventures in the wedding world. We pull back the veil and have honest conversations about real things, about stressful things, and about all the things that go into planning a wedding. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of the Put a Ring on a Podcast. Do you know that 52 is my lucky number, Daniel? I have no reason why. Lucky number. Well, how often does that come up in like uh, like a game of cards or uh, or like uh, a game of dice? Never come up? No. Uh, well, I don't play games of dice. <laughs> what is a game of dice? I uh, I like... On my 52-sided um, diet comes up, though. 52-sided diet? Is that what you said? Wow. Die. Like die. Plural dice. Yeah, die. Cool. Uh, great, no, story. Singular great, great story. Singular dice. Anyway. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> I, so, fun fact. I When I was a kid, I learned a bunch of card tricks, so I always had a deck of cards uh, with me and on my person so that I can wow and dazzle people with my... Very cool and not nerdy in the slightest bit. Card tricks. <clears throat> and I can still do some of them really well. And by really well, I mean barely above average. So You should work for Magic Mike. Get in touch with him. I should work uh, for Magic Mike. That magician. Yeah, I know. That magician yeah. we worked with. He's a super fun guy. Yeah. If anybody's in New York City and wants an awesome strolling magician for your wedding that is super cool and just low-key and awesome, Magic Mike. Oh, Mike so Jacobson is his name. Super awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, All right, Dan, but that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today? We, I asked you first. <laughs> today we're going to talk about room blocks. Yeah, we're going to talk about hotel room blocks, guys. questions about this. 
so many questions about how to do room blocks, how to handle them, what to look for. And we've got an expert on the show today. Yep, we've got <laughs> Miss Cheryl Bailey here. Uh, she's going to be talking to us about all these different things because um, it's a confusing process, I think. And, and there's different ways you can go about it. And Ugh, there's so many things, but I think just having, as we always say, having a good knowledge of, of what it is that you're, you're diving into just makes things a little bit easier and a little bit more confident as you go through it. So, and just as a disclaimer, really hotels can vary in terms of policies and, and how they go about blocks. So be sure to use this knowledge that we're going to share with you to ask the right questions when you're talking to the hotel rep that you're working with, because just because we say, well, most of them do this, it doesn't mean yours will or won't. Um, and I just want to make that super clear clear right from the jump um and yeah yeah i'm excited so without without further ado welcome cheryl yes hello i'm happy to be here so so cheryl tell (laughs) us a little bit about yourself before we jump into hotel room blocks Well, I am an event planner by trade. Um, That's what I've been doing for the past eight years. And about two and a half years ago, yay, um, about two (laughs) and a half years ago, we added travel onto our business for uh, corporate events and destination weddings. That's a huge component of the event is just getting people there, Um, particularly if you're wanting to bring 50 people to Mexico that have never been out of the country. (laughs) And, uh, And so we added on that travel side to make for sure that the entire event ran very seamlessly. That's awesome. And you are based out of Texas, you said? I'm in the Austin, Texas area, yes. Awesome. So do you do a lot with with Mexico being closer to that area and all that? Our primary business is in Mexico. Um, I say is in Mexico. We're obviously here in Austin. um, But most of our clients, both corporate and weddings, are going to travel to Mexico. It's just really convenient. It's only a two and a half hour flight. That's true. And cheap. That's, That's nice. awesome. Yeah. We're going to Mexico in a few weeks for uh, a wedding, which I'm super excited about uh, to attend as a oh. guest. So I'm, I'm beyond jazz. We're going to be there for a few days and oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's an awesome place. You'll have fun. <laughs> I'm, 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 I've never, I've never been the farthest South I've ever been is Florida slash Texas, I guess. Um, wow. But like in terms of tropical, this will be the most tropical place I've ever, all have ever gone. So uh-huh. very cool. Uh... I'm heading for a wedding in April nice. to Riviera Maya. That's my favorite. Wait. Oh, really? Okay. I go. Yep. I just got back from there Saturday. Oh, for, <laughs> for fun or for work? No, for work. Okay. <laughs> but it's always fun, fun to go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Wait, which, which, which place in Riviera Maya, Dan? Do you know? Oh, he doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, I cannot remember. What the heck is it called? So where we're going is the Hard Rock Riviera Maya? Yeah. It's fun. You'll have fun. Okay, good. It's very loud. You'll have lots of fun. (laughs) I'll bring my (laughs) earplugs. All right. Well, let's let's jump into the topic today. So I guess I let's just start with what is a hotel room block? Okay, so a hotel room block is just that. It's a block of rooms that you are setting aside for your wedding or wedding guests to be able to book within. Pretty simple. So as guests are traveling from out of town, this is sort of giving them like, hey, a little bit of of direction. Yes, this is the the set amount of rooms that you have aside for your guests to book within. And the the hotel will hold a certain amount of rooms for you and your guests. Are there are there different ways that hotels approach this? Like like are there different types of, of room blocks? 
Yes, there are two main types of room blocks. There's one with an attrition, which I can explain uh, a little bit. And <laughs> yes, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> and there's a courtesy block. So do you want me to go ahead and explain the differences? Yes, <laughs> yes yeah, please. Definitely. Okay. So a, a courtesy block is just that. They're holding a block of rooms for you as a courtesy, just out of kindness. They are not holding those entire rooms for you. So let's say you have a courtesy block of 10 rooms, which for most courtesy blocks, it's 10 rooms or less. And they are going to allow you to book those rooms at a certain typically reduced rate as a courtesy. They're not pulling those rooms out of inventory. So if they sell out and you only have five people in your wedding that have booked there, that's it. It'll Too be bad. It. The courtesy. Yeah. Um, but if your guests book there and you fill up the block or you don't fill up the block, whatever the case may be, you're not um, financially obligated to pay anything for the rooms that aren't booked. So that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, a courtesy room block. It's truly just a courtesy. They're being nice to you by letting you book rooms at a discounted rate. So a room block with an attrition is very different in that you actually owe money, <laughs> even if yeah. you don't book all of those rooms. And I have kind of a, a description here that I've written down because it is yes. kind of difficult to understand. Okay. Um, and it's also used kind of randomly in the industry, and not everyone understands it. So it's basically attrition is a term that's used to describe when your actual room block is less than what you contracted. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you don't what we call make your room block, then you're what's called in attrition if you don't make the amount that you guarantee. So the way that works is you go to a hotel and say, I want to hold 10 rooms and on you know whatever date. And so then they will say to you, that's great. Here are the 10 rooms at X, uh, X dollars, and we're going to allow you to have this at an 80% attrition. What that means is you have to book eight out of 10 of those rooms or you're going to owe for any room that's not booked. So mm. if you book eight rooms, you're good to go. If you book six, you're still going to owe for those other two rooms regardless. I feel like – is this something that like I, I maybe I've seen with a wedding reception venue? Like, like uh, there was a specific number of people that the couple had to bring to this venue, and they didn't bring that amount, so they had to do something else. And it was like – I think it was like add an extra hour on. They, ha they had to buy an extra hour in order to meet this like certain level. Is that kind of the same concept? Am I understanding that right? So what you're talking yes. about, Dan, is like a food and beverage minimum usually that a couple has to meet in order to rent yep. out the room, that they have to invest a certain amount of money into having that space privately. Um, but it's, yep. it definitely falls under a similar concept. Um, but attrition is such a hard concept to get your head around. And I love that you use that example, Cheryl, because it's like, it, it just makes sense. Okay, well, if I have the 10 rooms, we have to book eight of them. And, and then we're not responsible financially. If we only book six, we still got to pay for those other two to meet that 80%, right? Gotcha. That's absolutely correct. And the way you're describing it is exactly correct as well. It's just like a food and beverage minimum, but for hotel rooms. So you're guaranteeing I'm going to hit this minimum. And if not, I'm still going to owe the difference. So um, something you said earlier is what you see most often. So we, you have the courtesy room block. And then this is, um, I usually call it like a guaranteed room block. What is, is there a pro more... Uh, appropriate term to call it or a guaranteed room block is an excellent term for it we typically okay. just call it a room block <laughs> because that's <laughs> so because that's just what it is because really most room blocks 
are guaranteed. The exception is the courtesy room block. So, okay. so that's interesting because so where I'm based out of, I don't do room blocks all of the time, which is why I did not want to be the main person talking about this subject and why you so graciously are here. But in my area, it's actually um, the courtesy room block is the more common room block for us in this area. Yeah. We do courtesy room blocks with like 20, 25 rooms some night with absolutely no attrition, no guarantees, no nothing, no financial guarantees from the couple. So I think um, though we're in a smaller rural area, there's, there's different things. So this is why it's super regional. And I think it's so important to understand what each of these things are so that as you're talking with the hotel, you go, ah, I understand this completely. And I know <laughs> I know what I'm financially or not financially responsible for, which is awesome and such good information to have. Yeah, and that's exactly correct. The area that you're going to have a room block in is hugely dependent upon whether a courtesy room block is the norm or the guaranteed room block is the norm. Right. Here in the Austin, Texas area, we are definitely on the regular room block as the norm because it's mm -hmm. such a busy area. And depending on the time of year, it's very difficult even to get a courtesy room block in most places. And then you're, you know, you're headed to Mexico, same thing. You're not getting a courtesy room block <laughs> in Mexico at most of those resorts because their occupancy is so high. Yeah. Got it. That's good to know. Interesting. See, that's one of those things where just, you know, you're in different areas and you think what happens in your area is like, well, I guess this is probably just what happens all over the place. But you really <laughs> you really have no idea because I will still steer most of my couples away from doing the guaranteed room block if the option's there for the courtesy, um, unless it's it's really not in their favor to do the courtesy because I just tell them it's 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 one of those things. But cool. Very good to know. Yeah, for sure. So that's what we typically try to do for local room blocks is let people know that so is there a process? So if a couple says, I'm going to set up this room block, what's, what's sort of the process that they should do in, in to, like, to get this started? Like, what's their first step to get the ball rolling? Um, so if someone wants to set up a room block, they have two options. They can reach out to the hotel they know they want to use directly, or they can connect with a local travel agent. And I would highly recommend that people reach out to a local travel agent. In most cases, a travel agent is not even going to charge you a fee. Um, they're paid basically on commission from the hotel, which does not cause the room rate to be any higher. And the local travel agent will know all of the kind of ins and outs of what hotel is going to offer a courtesy room block versus who is going to have a higher attrition rate. Also, some people might think, oh, I want this hotel because maybe they've stayed there before or whatever the case may be. But people just, they don't really truly know the hotels in their area because most people don't stay at a hotel where they live. Right. But a local travel agent will be able to help them understand what is best for them and their guest and for the contract. Is there a certain point in the planning process? Like, is there a, a point where it's like too early or too late to, to, to contact a hotel or a travel agent to secure a room block? Not typically. I mean, the earlier that you know you're going to need rooms is the best time to secure a room block. So once you have a date and once you know kind of an estimate of how many people are coming from out of town and might need a hotel, that's the time to get your block. Because the further out, typically the better deal you can get. The closer to an event will be a little harder to get a room block since um, it's also going to be harder for your guests to book that far in advance. A lot of people already booked their room. So there's just a lot more kind of in the air if you do it the closer to um, an event date. Okay, got okay. it. Um, so I think you, you sort of uh, said something about like how many people they have coming or whatever. Um, how do you 
how, how, how should people figure out like how many rooms they need? Is there like a formula or like you just, you just look at your guest list and say, here, uh, I don't know, pick a certain <laughs> percentage or whatever. Like how, how do you, how do we figure out, how do you tell people uh, how many rooms they, they generally need to try and secure? Gotcha. So if it's a wedding that you're hosting near your home and most of the guests are coming from around your area, obviously you're going to need a much smaller um, amount of rooms. Whereas a destination wedding is something where you really need to look at your list and say, how many people do I legitimately think are actually going to attend and truly need a room? And then basically it's divided by two because most people share. Really, there's no magic formula or percentage. It really is looking at your list putting a little check mark next to the people that you truly think need a room and then looking at, you know, what the attrition rate might be or if you can get a courtesy block and then booking that room block. And it is not unacceptable to just reach out to people and say, Hey, we're putting together a room block. Do you think you need a room? Do you know if, if say you hit that point of, okay, I filled up my entire uh, room block now, but three people are still saying, Hey, we need a room. Um, can you, can you add more rooms? Is it the couple or the the person who's organizing the event that calls the hotel and say, hey, we got these three more people? Or is it just like, how, how do you go about adding more rooms? Who does that if it's possible? Yeah, so, yeah, so you can definitely add more rooms if the hotel has those rooms available. So it's really important to make for sure you have a block of rooms that truly looks like the amount of rooms you're going to need. So if your hotel does have rooms available, it's really easy. You basically call them and say, hey, I need three more rooms. Um, can you please honor it within the contract we have? The important thing to note about this is once you have that room block, that is a set contract for a certain dollar amount and a certain amount of rooms. So if you later come back and say, hey, I need three more rooms, they do not have to honor that contracted price. I've really never run into a situation where they haven't eventually honored that price unless it's a situation where they are already almost sold out or they have a larger block with someone else. But just know that is a possibility. If you come back later and need more rooms and they are almost sold out, sold out, there's a possibility they could charge you the now going rate and not your room block rate. So gotcha. is a couple is a couple better off estimating on the higher side and potentially being financially responsible, but having the security of of most of their guests having rooms, or estimating on the lower side and uh, ideally filling up the block and then hopefully adding more if the hotel has available. Is there like a a better way to to err on the side of adding more or budgeting like budgeting more or less? So there's a couple situations that you can look at here. If you can get a courtesy room block, then absolutely max it out. If they'll give you 25 rooms and you think you only need 20, take the 25 rooms. Um, they're already allotting them for you and it's no big deal. So take the max because you really can't lose here. The other option is if you have to do a contracted room block, then you really want to get much closer <laughs> to the number you think will actually attend. I always say you're better off erring on the side of not owing money because realistically, your guests can book somewhere. If they don't end up staying in the same hotel as you, there's something you know next door down the street. It's a bummer that they're separate, but they can always book somewhere else. And then it's kind of on the guests. If you have allocated a room block and they didn't book quickly or didn't book in time, it's kind of on them. The only um, is if you're having, again, a true destination wedding where it's in another country or and it's at a, if it's at a resort where all of the wedding activities are taking place and then someone books outside of that and tries to come onto the resort for the wedding day, they will typically charge the client or you or the guest or you 
a day rate for them to come on to the hotel, and then you will be charged an additional price for them to, of course, attend any wedding events. So, so on that one, it really depends on the situation you're in. Okay, that makes sense. I think um, I think that's really interesting. All this stuff. Anyway, uh, one of our um, one of our listeners actually reached out to us on Facebook. Her name's Michelle, and she's a sweetheart. And she actually said um, one of the questions she had about this was asking. Um, basically what dates should couples consider blocking rooms off for she said is it is it usual for local guests to want a hotel room after the wedding um even if it's on like a sunday do they do it for the night before just how do you how do you sort of navigate all that with with dates and local guests and those things so we typically recommend people do a two-night block For example, if your wedding is on a Saturday, most people are going to come into town and need to stay Friday night, attend your wedding on Saturday, and stay Saturday night, and then head home on Sunday. Okay, got it. And what about for a Sunday wedding? Because are people still traveling? Are are most people heading back to work Sunday night? I feel like that's a common thought is, what are my guests going to do after the wedding on a Sunday? Do they have to get back? Mm -hmm. What's that? What do they do there? I think it depends on your end time. If your Sunday wedding is still ending at midnight, just like a traditional wedding or, you know, very late, then they're still going to need that room. And if people are coming from a long distance, again, they're still going to need that room. Unless you have, um, sometimes Sunday weddings will be brunch weddings, in which case, no, you really don't need to book that um, additional night. Right. I actually, um, one of my good friends is planning a Sunday wedding for next year and she's so excited. And we were talking about it this past weekend. She's like, what are my guests going to do? Like, am I really um, putting my guests in a bad position by doing a Sunday wedding? And I was telling her that when you do like a traditional Saturday wedding, most guests are, if they're traveling, are coming in Friday, staying for the wedding Saturday and leaving Sunday. In most cases, they're they're taking either they're traveling at night or they're taking Friday off, right? If they're doing a bit of traveling. Sure. If you do a Sunday wedding, instead of taking off Friday, now they're traveling Saturday, they're enjoying your wedding Sunday and they're taking off Monday. So I think either way yeah. they're taking a day exactly. off. I, in, not everybody's cases, certainly, but if anybody's out there listening that is like, what do we do with Sunday and, and travel? Right. I don't I don't think Sunday weddings are completely terrible, but it also goes back to what's best for for your guests. Um, right. And, and I, we're going to take a little break here in a second. But before we do, I also want to say um, for, for everybody listening to beware of the check-in time at your and hotel. And check-out time. Yes. And check-out time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Cheryl, what's your experience with this? Because so many couples ask me, like, can we have our um, – can we ask our hotel to guarantee an early check-in for our guests? And most of them, at least in my experience, say, yeah, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, it's not happening. Um, Because here's the thing is everyone wants an early check-in. You are not abnormal (laughs) or, you know, you're not special by thinking that you get the early (laughs) check-in. Everyone coming to that hotel every single day wants the early check-in. And most hotels are not going to guarantee it because they can't guarantee that the person the night before is going to check out early. And so it just is what it is. So you really do need to work around that. And most hotels do not have check-in until 3 p.m. or even 4 p.m. in a lot of cases now. Mm -hmm. And check-out is either 11 a.m. or noon. You just have to count on it and work it in. Right. And how this affects you is, let's say your ceremony is starting at 3.30 in the afternoon, and you've got a bus showing up to the hotel at 2.30. If check-in is not until 3, 4 o'clock, your guest is now needing to either try to check-in early, but if they can't, 
what happens, you know, are they leaving their stuff in the bag? Is the hotel hanging on to it that they can't now check in until after your wedding is over? So as you think about the timelines of things, I know there's so much to think about you guys, but <laughs> these are all things that you need to take into consideration and then communicate with your guests to say, hey guys, um, the hotel check-in time is three o'clock, just to let you know, but the um, the buses, the shuttle's coming at 2.30. We've already talked with the hotel. They're going to say, you can leave your bags with the front, whatever it is. Communicate that to your guests. So when they show up, they're not surprised. Yeah. Um, for our wedding, that's exactly what we did, or pretty much what we did uh, slightly. Uh, we had everybody come to the ceremony at, a, at the church down the road. Everybody was there. Then they, we just said, hey, we've got a huge break between the ceremony and reception. Go to the hotel. Drop your cars off there. Check in because our wedding was at two. Check in was at three. So we kind of figured out that. Um, if we just told everybody to come to the ceremony, um, go there, check in after the hotel, then we could drive everybody on the shuttle to the reception, come home. It was nice and easy. And that's what we did a, a lot of the times. But we also traveled to um, to Georgia recently for a wedding where we got down there and we got to the hotel three hours before uh and thankfully, uh, Meredith, uh, our friend, let us all know, hey, most of you guys are going to be traveling in probably the day before. You're probably going to get there a couple hours before. We've arranged with the hotel to just have a, a room that you guys can all put your luggage, then go down the street, have some food, hang out a little bit, come back in three, you'll be good to go. So while they, they couldn't do anything about the early check-in, she did kind of say, hey, um, and work it out with the the hotel that they would store some of the bags for a little bit. And that seemed to work pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's something I definitely recommend. And in most cases, there is a gym or a spa at the hotel. So Ooh. you might not be able to actually get into your room. But most of the time, I say just check in. Even if you're there at 11 in the morning or 12 or whatever it is, go ahead and check in. You can leave your bags there. They typically have some kind of place that will hold them, a bell station. And then see if they'll let you use the spa or the gym because most of those places have a shower and a place to change. So if you mm -hmm. get to the hotel as a guest, you can just check your bags, go change and get ready. And then, you know, at the end of the day or whenever you can come back, check into your room and, and you're good to go. That's awesome. See, guys, communication is key. That's what this all comes down to. All right, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about some really fun things, um, things that the hotel is going to provide, maybe how you can get a, a really good deal. And I'm excited. We'll be back. Today's episode is sponsored by Warby Parker. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free with glasses starting at just 95 bucks. Their home try-on program allows you to order five pairs of glasses shipped straight to your home so you can try them out for like five days. After five days are up, you can easily send them back using the prepaid returning shipping label with no obligation to purchase. You you did this, right, Danielle? I did. So when I did my trial, I actually wore them around for most of the day. I got a feel for their comfort and how they looked, and I was able to snag the opinions of the people that I saw throughout the day, including the, my friends on social media. And funny enough, most of the people um, picked the glasses that were probably the least comfortable to wear on my <laughs> face because I have a big head. So I was able to get a feel for them. Otherwise, I would have, if I just went off of looks alone, I would be absolutely regretting my decision today. So yeah, oh, I was happy I got to, uh, you know, with, when you have them for the five days, you get to feel them out. So that was cool. Yeah. I remember you posting the pictures and people voting on them and stuff. That was really funny. Yeah. Um, so, so when you place an order for glasses that you like with your prescription, Warby Parker gets started on them right away. So you have them crazy fast, like in a week and a half, if not sooner. Yeah. 
And since we know that as a listener of this podcast, you have a pretty big heart. For every pair of glasses (laughs) sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need, which is really awesome, you guys. So to order your free home try-ons today, head to warbyparkertrial.com slash ring. Seriously, Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk and stress-free with free shipping all around. Visit warbyparkertrial.com slash ring to get started. Now back to the show. And hey, everybody, we're back today talking about room blocks here with Cheryl Bailey. Um, Before the break, we were talking about all kinds of logistical things about what room blocks are, and we're just going to keep on going. We've got tons of questions, and we're just going to keep on rolling. Um, So what do you got, Danielle? What do we have to say? So I want to I want to jump back in. Um, we talked about how how many nights we should reserve a room block for and how many rooms. But I also want to talk about how many hotels couples should reserve a, a room block with. I had one recently that uh, without chatting with me, they reserved room blocks at six different hotels. Whoa. And I was like, oh, no, guys, not a great idea. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> so I typically recommend two hotels. One at a higher price point and one at a lower price point because you have some people that are just simply comfortable spending $350 or $450 a night for a hotel room and some people that would balk at $150 a night for a hotel room. So if you can, I would say two hotel room blocks near each other, one at a lower price point and one at a higher price point. So is um, is there a reason why you say just to limit it to the two? Um. Because the more information you give people, the harder it is for them to follow your information. So keeping it very, very simple is always the route to go. Two options, that's it. If Really, if it's a moderately priced hotel that most people can afford, I love one option. Right. (laughs) But if not, then two. And especially if the hotel is big enough, has like a decent amount of, you know, amenities and stuff on site. That's, that's huge. For, for me, I, the way I uh, frame it for my couples is the transportation. So often um, couples are opting to do transportation for the guest and every Mm -hmm. single hotel stop is, is a longer chunk of time that they need to reserve that shuttle for. Um, So I, I think that, that, that for me is usually the, the biggest key in all of it is, is is you have to then coordinate all of these different people's transportation. (laughs) And it is so much easier to go through just one or two hotels versus the five or six. Actually, in this case, the five or six, when we had the six hotel room blocks that we were working with, we had people traveling um, that they ended up being on the shuttle for about an hour by the time the shuttle picked them up and then went to the next two blocks because we had two shuttles, one going to three, the other going to three different hotels. And guests were wonderful, but it was just not the ideal situation. But that's what the couple wanted. So that's what we made work. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I was a little bummed. Okay, so as you're looking at different room blocks how can you get the best deal like it like is can you negotiate with with hotels like will, will they be willing to do that is there even such thing as like getting a good deal from the hotel what do you think <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry there's like a thousand questions in one <laughs> so you can get a good deal i guess it always depends on what you think a good deal is right. um but typically a hotel within the U.S. will already automatically have a percentage built in that they automatically give 
earn blocks. Usually, you know, 15%, anywhere between 10 and 20% typically. It's just automatic. You can always ask for more. Um, what I find in the U.S. for room blocks is if you ask for more, it is better to ask for a set dollar amount than to just say, can you go lower? If you come in saying, look, I need this to be at, you know, 179 a night, what can you do? As opposed to, I see it's at, you know, 185, what can you do? You'll get a better deal actually asking for a dollar amount than just saying, can you give me a better price? That makes sense. You yeah. kind of like price lining it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's really true. And the other thing is, and, and, you know, that's for U.S. room blocks. The other option is for destination room blocks out of the country where you have less wiggle room because they are tied to maybe like an all-inclusive resort. Mm-hmm. The things you can ask for there typically are not a lower rate. It's like an hour of cocktail hour, for example. So you do have some negotiation room on pricing, but you also have negotiation room on amenities. Okay. So so say you're walking in there and you say – it's a U.S. wedding, but you know you've got the majority of your friends and family, whether they don't necessarily have to be flying in, but maybe you're an hour or two away from everybody. You know the majority of your people are going to be staying in a hotel. Can you walk in there and say, I know I've got 30 rooms for you um, versus somebody who's walking in there and saying, I, I, I know I'm going to need five or ten rooms. Can you walk in there knowing that you have this huge amount of rooms and use that as a bargaining chip? Is that possible? Yes, you can, but typically 30 rooms is not that big of a deal. <laughs> Most hotels gotcha. have like a few hundred rooms. So right. if you said, I want to book a hundred rooms, you have a lot more bargaining ability right, right. than just saying, I want a 15-room courtesy block. You have a lot more bargaining power when you have a contracted room block. <laughs> gotcha. So as a couple, negotiating a lower room rate sort of benefits your guests, but can you be selfish and say, what do we get as a couple? Like, can we get a free room if we book X amount of <laughs> X amount of rooms <laughs> in the block? Like, is, is that a fair, is that a fair thing to bargain with or negotiate with? It is a fair thing to bargain with and negotiate with and is something that you can often get. Again, the courtesy block, you're not going to get a lot. If you do a contracted block, you most certainly have bargaining ability. So you can ask for a free night for the wedding couple. You can also ask for things like free upgrades. And a lot of times that's tied to your attrition. So if they come back and say, okay, we'll give you an 80% attrition just for the rooms themselves, you can come back and say, look, what if we bump to a 90% attrition and you give us one room for, you know, for ourselves, for the couple, and you give us maybe two complimentary upgrades and we select the rooms. So Mm -hmm. the more that you're willing to give, the more bargaining power you have. But it's within, so if you know you're going to sell those. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's, so it's, 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 it's reasonable as a, for a couple to to ask for those things without being too uh, needy or or grabby or I don't know entitled absolutely entitled yeah exactly <laughs> you can behave entitled and still ask for those things <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's that's very true what about things like 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 breakfast or day after brunches are are those bargaining tools or just things you should be asking about in as far as what is offered. 
So those are typically part of the bargaining tools. Hotels love to sell rooms, but even more than that, they love to sell food and beverage. So mm. if you have any event attached to your hotel room stay, if you are having a morning after breakfast or setting up some kind of continental breakfast in a suite or at a luncheon. Anything you can do that adds food and beverage to that hotel gives you better bargaining ability on the room side. So you, you really have more ability to get more room amenities and more room things if you have an event at the property. That's honestly where they're making their money. Hmm. Cool. That's really good to know. One of the things that I really liked about what our uh, hotel did is that they actually gave us the use of one of their conference rooms for our after party that night. Um, we, we had like, I think, relatively speaking, we had a, a nice size room block and we, we were, I think as we were standing there talking and we kind of agreed to them, we were talking about what we were going to do the night after, were we going to go to a pub or whatever. And it was very sweet of them that they actually offered that. And they said, I tell you what, if you book up these rooms around our conference room, um, we'll, we'll give you the use of this room. If you meet this amount of people, we'll gladly give that. And that was, that was kind of a, a nice way of us to say, okay, we really want people to use this, this hotel. We really want people to book this up so we can also have this space. So after the wedding at only 10 o'clock, we could come back and order a bunch of pizzas and have more drinks and whatever. And so that was a nice bargaining chip that, that they actually used to talk us into booking more rooms and getting more people to come there. Yeah, and you'll see that a lot in an area where, you know, it might not be a big touristy destination or you might have more hotel rooms available. So amenities or offerings like that are definitely something that a hotel in an area that isn't going to book, you're going to see them offer a lot more. Awesome. What about another another bargaining chip I've seen them use is this um... – that they'll say, well, we, we can offer you a hotel shuttle for your guests, which I don't like, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the hotel shuttle. <laughs> so the hotel shuttle, ooh, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh -oh. uh, <laughs> um, as an event planner, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> the hotel shuttle is not always going to be on time. In fact, it's very rarely going to be on time. The hotel shuttle is primarily for all of the guests and not just your wedding guests, which makes it a very unreliable source. So if you really want your guests to show up to your wedding on time, buy your own shuttle, rent your own shuttle. Don't yeah. rely on the hotel shuttle. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a good option if someone is at your wedding and gets sick, needs to leave early, that they can call the hotel and get a shuttle back maybe. But And ultimately, they hold maybe I've seen up to like a dozen people, but it's certainly not going to be able to cart, uh, you know, 40, 50 people worth of, of guests back and forth from your wedding and all that. Yeah. At, uh, at our wedding, we had a trolley, but at a wedding that Rachel and I were at recently, um, they just had school buses and it was awesome. Like I, I'll tell you what, every wedding that we've been at so far, which hasn't been that many in terms of like going there personally, um, they have taken care of the transportation, uh, from the, to this reception and back from the reception in terms of like the couple actually hiring somebody, not the hotel shuttle. And I just love, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked off of, you know, the fact that the hotel shuttle is, is not worth it or worth it. Um, but the fact that I just, I want to keep stressing that, um, the more that you can help your guests have an okay and great experience and take, take some of the, what are we going to do during this time or, or how are we going to get there and taking some of those um, maybe drunk transportation questions out of the game, the better it is. So just as a general, do we need to get a, uh, a shuttle or do we need to get a trolley or whatever it is? Uh, you always have my thumbs up. 
<laughs> I wanted to say one more thing about the shuttle because this is something yeah. that people really, they really feel like is a big thing for them. And I get it because transportation costs are expensive. And so people just love the idea of the shuttle. I had a wedding once where the shuttle didn't even show up to the hotel at all. It was a situation where the hotel what? was already using their hotel shuttle and needed to get an outside shuttle company to come for this uh, for this particular wedding, and they just didn't even show up. Oh. See? Bummer. This is why we talk about this stuff, though, so yes. that you know what to look out for and know what to be mindful of. So when that when the hotel says, well, we can we can give you this free shuttle, you go, yeah, that's great. I don't care. Well, I mean, not like that. But so. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 speaking of this, this type of um, approach is are there other things like additional fees that the couple should be mindful of or watch out for? Like if if they want to do welcome bags or is, you know, is there going to be an additional fee? What are, what are some things that they should be asking and keeping an eye out for when they're when they're doing these room blocks? This is something that Congress is actually looking at regulating right now because people will show up to the hotel having the room already paid for, and then surprise, there's a $35 resort fee. And what in the world does that resort fee do for you? It allows you to, you know, use the gym or the pools or whatever the case may be. And so it's something you definitely need to ask is, is there a resort fee in addition to the room price? Because that is kind of a sneak uh, charge sometimes. You also will have a charge almost always... Um, another charge that you need to be paying attention to is if you want anything delivered to the room. So if you're planning on bringing welcome bags and you want those to go to the rooms, some of the uh, some of the hotels will just give those out as guests arrive, but they'll charge you to actually put them in the rooms. And some of the hotels will charge you to hand out a bag no matter what. It's usually anywhere between two and five dollars per bag. What? Yep. And it's it's one of those things, I think, as the couple that you're, you're investing so much in the wedding that you, you get to a point where you feel like everybody is just coming at you with additional fees and, oh, <laughs> forgot to tell you about this. Yes. So <laughs> these are questions to ask up front. Um, Absolutely. Parking, Wi-Fi, uh, you know, th- these, these little things that um, you, you get why there's an additional cost to them, but they just, they aren't very quick to, to explain these costs up front when they're just trying to say like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 179 uh, 179, you know, a room for the night and yeah, all good, you know, <laughs> and then later it's like, oh, but by the way, this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, <laughs> you also have to think about. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so let's say you've gotten everything all booked, everything set, you got your, all your information. Um, what's the best way to, to let people know about the room blocks? What do you like to see people do? Two things. I love them to put it on their wedding website. And I love for them to put it on their invitations. And it's so funny Mm because people always say, is it appropriate for me to put this on my invitations? Yes, yes, and yes. People are looking for that information. They really want to know. Um, And I won't give the name because I don't know if I should be plugging a certain company, but there's a wedding texting service where Mm. you can text all of your guests And I love this wedding tech service. And so you can send out through a text the link to where they can book their hotel rooms. It's amazing. And then they can't reply directly to you, but it sends it out to everyone all at once without adding them to a group text. Using something like that to get the information out is amazing. So what's what's the name of that service? We're happy to to share that information. It's called WedTexts, W-E-D-T-E-X-T-S.com. Awesome. I have to check that out. That sounds very cool. Um, Okay, so so, 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 Dan. so 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 what? Well, I want to take this one. 
<laughs> All right, Dan, go for I, it. I have, I have a follow-up question. Go ahead. Um, so uh, uh, that's actually awesome that you you mentioned web texts, um, but I, <laughs> uh, but I'm also kind of wondering if if there are some other services specifically for room blocks if they don't want to hit the streets and pound the pavements going out and like visiting a bunch of hotels or whatever that that couples can uh, do this online or get more information online. Is, is there anything like that? Yeah, a travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, like, there's it's some crazy sites too, that you though, right? do your yeah sorry uh, it's crazy that you would do your own booking all of your own room blocks when there's someone that will literally do it for you for free and who has made a career of doing it and knows what they're doing so why would you book online when you have a professional well Fair I'll enough. jump in I'll give you guys a little bit um, more there's um, a few there's one called hotel planner there's a Kleinfeld hotel blocks um, there's one called where where will they stay we'll link to this also to Cheryl's information on the show notes for today's episode and on that note Cheryl where can couples find out more about you and and your services and all of that they can check us out on our website at yellowumbrellatravel.com yellowumbrellatravel.com. I love that. Is this yellow umbrella go back to anything to do with how I met your mother? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best sitcoms ever, <laughs> except so for good. the last season. Very sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is. Spoiler alert. I um uh, I didn't watch uh, how I met your mother when it was on TV. I uh, binge watched it uh, like a year or two ago and it was very good. It was it was really good. And I liked I'm a person who reads the end of the books first, so I liked knowing the uh the um, you know, the the big spoiler, the end, how it all comes together. I liked knowing that as I watched all the episodes too. So, that's cool. And I think I saw you on Instagram. You're at the Cheryl Bailey, right? Yes, if, if, Cheryl if listeners want to follow you there. Awesome. Cheryl, thank you so much for, for sharing this yeah. knowledge. I know I learned so much. Dan always learns thank so much you. every time we do these episodes. So uh, I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing this. Listeners, hopefully you've gained um, a little bit of knowledge from all of this and feel super confident and awesome as you are uh, navigating this world of wedding planning. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Cheryl. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. We love you. And if you haven't yet, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps us out so much, you guys. You can find the show notes for today's episode at putaringonitpodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget, um, connect with us on all of the socials. Yep, I am at DPNAC, D-P-N-A-K, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. And I'm at Daniel Moore Photo on Instagram and Daniel Moore Photography on Facebook and Pinterest. And remember, you can always send us your questions on our website or on the Put a Ring on It podcast Facebook page. We really do our best to answer every single one we get, and we might even include yours in an upcoming episode. Finally, know that you are awesome. And no matter what, remember that your wedding is going to kick butt. Yeah, it is. Bye, guys. <laughs>